0: Hi, I'm Mary Laura Philpot. Welcome to Ladyland. Think about your closest friend. Maybe you know where she works, but do you know what she does all day? Do you know her job title? Do you know what she studied in school? Turns out I didn't, so I made a podcast to find out. Welcome to Ladyland, I'm your host, Kim Baldwin. This is a conversation with women from all walks of life and different backgrounds. It's funny at times, serious at times, but always honest. This is Ladyland. Hi Mary Laura. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm great. I'm so happy to be here. So glad to be doing something in your
1: hometown. I am. And with you. I usually get to see your face on my phone and in my Instagram stories, but I like seeing you in real life. Thank you. Right back
0: at you. <laughs> I like to have my guests introduce themselves. Okay. Do you mind telling people who you are? All sure. of your identifiers? You have a lot. I do.
1: I'll, I'll use a few. Let's see. I'm Mary Laura Philpott. I am the author of a new book called I Miss You When I Blink, which is a memoir written in essays. I live in Nashville with my family, which is some people and some dogs. <laughs> and I have a couple of day jobs. I work for Parnassus Books, the indie bookstore doing, I think my latest title is Book Enthusiast at Large which means I I just go around hustling books in various ways, mostly online, sometimes in person. And I also co-host a show on Nashville Public Television called A Word on Words, which is a little interstitial show, which basically means it's the show between shows instead of commercials. So there you go. That's great. And that's an Emmy Award winning. Indeed. (laughs) <laughs> Indeed. The Emmy yeah. Award winning show between shows on Nashville Public Television, Word on Words, which I co-host with J.T. Ellison,
0: another writer here in Nashville. Yes. So not busy at all. <laughs> not at all. Especially lately. It's just been really relaxing. No. You've been on book tour. Um, has it even been a month? It has. It's been like exactly a month. I left April 2nd. We
1: are now in the first week of May. I've, I've been gone a month. And now I'm home. Not not permanently home, but it's it's much more spread out now. So. Yeah. No more like living suitcase to suitcase, airport to airport every single day.
0: I saw you at Parnassus. I'm so happy you saw it was, me at Parnassus. That was fun. What it? it was when I walked in, actually I had recorded an episode and so I got there maybe 10 minutes beforehand which sometimes is enough time. Right, right. I don't know if you know the logistics of that night like <laughs> In, I don't none of I
1: I don't like I'm still piecing together what has happened in the past <laughs> month and I feel like I want to go ask people
0: what happened at, at every stop let so tell me tell, let me, let me what tell happened? you couldn't park like you oh. know the garage behind oh, no. Greenville yeah. full both levels <gasps> people what did were people do parking on Richard Jones oh my goodness I didn't know that that's never happened I thought that garage was huge it was it is oh dear it was full yeah. so then I there was a line to get in What? And I Yes. To the bookstore? <laughs> yes. What? So I got in and could not, immediately couldn't move. Like, could, just had to, like, wiggle through. Oh there was nowhere to stand. And again, I wasn't late. I was 10-ish minutes before. Wow. So I got a spot. Oh, where, where were you? Across from your family. So I was, oh. like, the music travel section. Oh. Okay. oh, so you were standing over there, sort
1: of... If I was sitting, you were to my left. Yes. I remember looking up and going like periodically. I would I would turn and talk to Anne, and then I would I would turn and talk to the crowd, and I would see. It, it was happening so much, like seeing people I knew.
0: It was. It, I couldn't register what was happening. It was happening. I can't so imagine much. when you came out and did not cry. I thought, <laughs> oh, she's made of steel.
1: Well, you know what happened. Here's why I didn't tell, cry. Tell me, Because okay. I want to know the secret. I would have cried. I was on the brink of tears. <laughs> In the back office, and about to lose it, and then my editor from Simon and Schuster walked yes. into the back office, and she—you know—she lives in New York. We were not expecting her, and she is. Her name is Trish Todd. She's such a character, just such a distinct individual. She's shorter than me, and she's got these mm-hmm. little glasses, and she had her trench coat on, and she just—she just looks like your New York book editor. And she just came sauntering into the back office and I screamed and that broke <laughs> that broke the verge of tears feeling. Yeah, I was so excited and so shocked to see her. And then I was fine. So thanks, Trish.
0: I saw her when you pointed her out. She was also in the back. Yeah, it made me so happy. Aww. It just it was so full. And then I don't know what your family looks like. So I did not know that I was kind of directly across from them. And at some point, I think you acknowledged him towards the end. And I was like,
1: there oh. they are.
0: Wait, I know. They didn't sit down, which I thought was hysterical. That's because my husband is such a gentleman.
1: He would not take a seat if there it, were that many people, and he would also not let the kids take seats. So there you go.
0: What was so sweet and gave me so many emotions, the way they watched you the whole time, your daughter genuinely laughed at your jokes, <laughs> which, wow, <laughs> that is a miracle because she is 13. <laughs> they just they looked at you. Oh. It's just, it was so, it
1: was really sweet. Well, I love hearing that because I didn't, you know, I would like to go back and be a fly on the wall and oh watch that event. And I, I couldn't see yeah. them because I was trying yeah. to concentrate on Anne's questions and turn this way and turn that way. And it was too much to take in as it was happening.
0: It was a lot. But I cried fun. during your reading. You did? That, that essay. Because I hadn't did, read, well, I hadn't what read
1: your did book I yet. I read that
0: night? The I type read, A. The letter. Oh, yeah. The letter.
1: You know, that's a, it, Mary Laura. That one goes over differently in different crowds. I've been really? mix- I've been mixing it up on the road. Okay. So if it's a crowd where I know we've got a good number of perfectionist types <laughs> in the audience, which yeah. we did that night, I do that one. Okay. I didn't do that one for example in Asheville. Sure. Just didn't feel like D- that was the town for Different that one. Vibe. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, Taipei, what's that? I did, I did Lobster Man. I don't know if you've read that oh, one oh, yet. I've read but them. I thought that was good for Asheville. That is, you know, spot on. So I've kind of been bouncing <laughs> back and forth between the two. Yeah, depending on the crowd. That
0: letter. Also, I love essays that are letters. Yeah, I love that format. I it's kind of fun. So it's that one kind of hits. M- like two-thirds of the way through the book,
1: it's almost like a little intermission, and it is because it's a letter, it's different yeah. from the rest of the book. It's not a, a personal story, and, yeah. it, and it doesn't really fit in with the arc of the overall book. It's kind of a pause, and let me talk to a specific kind of reader right now who is very much like me. Uh-huh. I read it to, when I was in New York, I had a couple of events, and one was a private event with a, an investment banking group okay um just like corporate sure. book club and so i <laughs> as you do, I didn't know that was a thing oh it's a thing okay if any companies are listening and you would like to pay to fly me to you <laughs> to talk to your employees i would be happy to so somebody raised their hand and said what advice do you have for your you know your younger self or for you know people behind you on the road of life or whatever oh, and i was like it, this is tr- literally the first thing that came to me i wasn't saying it because of this audience i said if you are doing a job you hate quit and i looked at him you could see eyes lighting up in the room (laughs) i thought i'm in so much trouble if if like half this crowd turns in their resignations tomorrow but yeah don't keep doing it if you don't
0: like it no turns out it's good advice quitting is great yes let's just allegedly someone may hear this who doesn't know who you are shame on them (laughs) hasn't read your book yet all right background stuff you're from here but you're not from here but you're
1: back here right i'm kind of old nashville kind of new nashville kind of not nashville i was born here lived here as a toddler like lived here up to almost preschool i guess but then did not grow up here we moved around a lot growing up my dad is a doctor and so i was born early on in his medical training and he's very specialized so we would move every few years so that he could do a fellowship at a different teaching hospital so we moved and moved and moved and i moved back here five years ago so i've been here now five years okay so it has the city has changed so much in five years my mom actually came to visit a couple years ago and she came over to my house, and she and my dad lived in an apartment really near where Parnassus is now, okay. in Green Hills. The street that their apartment was on looks nothing like it used to, she tells me. And she, while she was visiting one day, she said, I'm going to go run some errands. And I said, let me draw you a little map, because she doesn't really use the map on her phone. I said, let me draw you a map on a piece of paper. And she said, I don't need a map. I lived here 40 years ago. I know my way around. And she left and <laughs> went off and came back 15 minutes later and said, I cannot find anything. So, you know, I think about how much it's changed yeah. just in the past five years. I'm sure
0: over 40 years. I lot. can't imagine. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I can actually, because if I want to think back, I've lived right. here all that time. But yeah, so I would like to one day have a published memoir. I don't know if I'm I ever going to do it. that. <laughs> I would sell it and read it. Thank you so my roadblock is actually writing it what do you mean well as long as i don't write it i know it's good <laughs> oh yes yeah
1: that's the worst it's so beautiful I, in theory oh and then you have God. to like put actual human words to it on
0: paper and it ruins legit it legit garbage yeah so i've been taking all these Susanna felt shout out love of my life yeah i've been taking all these classes with her for some years now at the porch at the porch of which
1: i am a board member
0: oh you yes everyone give to 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 the porch please i do yeah some of them are good but they don't get good takes me it's such a bummer
1: because you have this beautiful story in your head yes and you're aiming to get this beautiful story on paper but the path from one to the other goes over this terrain of horrible writing and it's the only way to get there is to get all the horrible drafts out The horrible drafts are so depressing because they're they're so so far off the beautiful story in your brain and the beautiful story you're trying to get on paper. It's miserable.
0: I just, I really admire everyone who writes a book, but you are, I know you better than any other author that has written a book. I mean, I actually know you. Yeah. And it's like just to see you up close and like, you're a human who did that thing I can't do listen, this is what I tell people all the time. But
1: when people, This is a common question that I've gotten in the past month on I'm book sure. tour. People say, is it empowering or is it intimidating to work in the book world around so many people who've written such amazing books? And I say, it is both. It is absolutely intimidating because when you work with people and you're constantly interacting with like Pulitzer Prize winners that that is deeply humbling (laughs) deeply humbling but it is also like you just said it is empowering because you look at these people and they don't have extra limbs or like an added brain there's nothing they're just people the same way you and I are people and it's like when they tell you know you tell little girls "If, if you can see it you can be it it does help to continually see it and go okay these are just people going and doing their thing and they all say it's hard. And, you know, they all say there are parts of it that are miserable and parts of it that are transcendent. And, okay, if they can do it, I can do it. You can do it, Kim. I
0: think that. And I hope this is intended as a compliment. There are books I read by women Mm -hmm. that make me think, not that I can do it. Mm -hmm. They make me think my voice can be out there. Yeah. And yours was that. Oh, good. Um, Nora Ephron is that. All these women who are finally like being able to publish books now and I just devour them mm-hmm. and I'm so happy when they're real and they're emotional but they're comedic and that it, balance is hard it seems like there's room for it now though people people so. are reading it
1: people I mean at least from where I sit I see people come into the bookstore I see people online talking about and asking for books by women with all sorts of different life experiences and people really seem hungry lately for memoir. And personal nonfiction. And I have a theory about that. Please tell me. And this could be baloney. But I noticed after the 2016 election, when everybody was just sort of broken, and the things that used to entertain people didn't entertain them anymore. It was like It's like when your favorite food isn't good to you anymore. People yeah. would come into the bookstore and stand in front of the fiction section with this really dejected look like, I just want to be entertained, and I don't think I can be And they would stand in front of this place where they had always found their favorite thing, which was novels, and not find it. And so they would wander, and they'd wander over into the nonfiction side of the store. And, I, you know, I have no evidence to back this up. Like, I have no numbers or anything. But I feel like what I saw starting around then, and it's still going on, is people being more open to different types of books than they were reading before. And that certainly extends into memoir
0: and essay collections. Yeah. that tracks even i'd do that i always went over there anyway but that's what i want to read i yeah. want to feel not so alone or crazy or yeah man man we don't always tell each other things i know turns out but a book can be such a handy tool for telling people things and then you don't have to do it
1: right you can be like um read, read my book yeah <laughs> So many people now, this, is, and this tickles me to pieces, so many people have told me, I gave your book to my therapist. Oh, my like, God. As a form of shorthand. Like, read this, and you will understand, and then we'll talk oh after.
0: My, what do you do with that comment?
1: That is it's okay. lovely. Is it? I mean, I gave my book okay. to my therapist. She didn't she didn't read it until I, I left for book tour. She was oh like, I'm, when we take a hiatus, I will read this. I don't want it to get in the way of our actual conversations. Yeah. And then she wrote me a really nice letter about it.
0: Isn't that That's great? lovely. I
1: know. She's nice.
0: I'm going to back up a minute. Mm-hmm. Before this book, you're super published. You're in the Washington Post, you're in the New York Times. <laughs> super published. Super published. <laughs> Those are big deals. Magazines. Yeah. You've been doing this a while, mm-hmm. but I kind of know the answer to this. But we were talking before you came in, and I think this is a question a lot of people have. The New York Times doesn't call Mary Laura and say, Would you like to write something <laughs> for our lifestyles <laughs> or parenting column? Correct. You so put it what out does there. that look like in real life? In real life, it is being an
1: essayist or a freelance writer who publishes things individually it means you are constantly asking <laughs> and pitching yourself and more often than not being rejected because that's just... You know, every essay appears one place, but it's not appearing everywhere. And, yeah. you know, odds are not high that it's the first place you pitched every single time. So what it looks like is you write an essay. And uh, some people pitch a not yet written essay and say, I would like to write this. And it will be 800 words. And it will be about this. And it will talk about this. And it will talk about this. I don't have any success with that because I am the type of writer. And I know there are people, everybody's different. But I'm the type of writer where I don't know what I've what I'm writing until I've written it. I just don't know. I think I know, and very often I'm wrong. And I write to the <laughs> bottom of it, and I go, oh, that's not what I thought. So I write the the whole thing. I write a polished, as perfect as I can get it essay, targeted to my first choice, whatever my first choice publication is. If they if their word limit is 800 words, I make it 800 words. Okay. If they prefer a format where you start with an anecdote and then ask a question, I make sure I'm in their, right in their wheelhouse. And then I, I pitch the, the fully written thing. And... You know, half the time it's rejected, and then I go and then I go on and I look at okay, who's my second choice, and I tweak it to make it fit there, and then I email that editor, and we see how that goes. And it it really does. I I tell people who are just starting out in this, it it really does get so much easier. Okay. To be rejected. <laughs> um, I mean, it's not, I would hope it's never awesome. Yeah. But it gets easier partly because. Over time, you see the patterns in what these editors have to do, whether they're managing a a weekly section of a newspaper or a monthly magazine or whatever it is. They have so many things they have to juggle. You know, there are timely topical things they have to make sure they cover in every issue. And then there's the news cycle, which is just batshit insane. And they just have so many things they have to juggle. And very, very, very often a rejection isn't saying this is a bad essay. It's saying "I, I can't use this right now. Why don't you go take it somewhere else? And the more that happens, and the more you see it. And also just having been an editor and, and being someone who has a little realm of content that I have to manage. Mm-hmm. I understand someone saying, this is beautiful, but
0: I can't use it. Good luck. Yeah. No, I would love that. Yeah. It gets easier. Okay.
1: It gets easier in that you get more used to it. It doesn't get easier in that it's it's not like once you're you've been published a lot, people just say yes to you all the time. I still have to pitch every single thing
0: i've noticed that like i'll see an essay by zadie smith or mm-hmm. someone i'm like oh that's right you still have to write essays oh yeah still yeah yeah that's, that's the bummer like, <laughs> somebody
1: still gotta do it yeah somebody the other day was like so what's your next book gonna be I'm like, <laughs> that's wait rude. Rude. i have to write another one it won't just write itself because i wrote one i can't you know it can't, they can't just self-propagate from one to the next to the next that would be great oh.
0: yeah okay I miss you when I blink. Yeah. Third reprinting?
1: Well, yes, but let me explain this. So, yes, we have it's gone to three printings okay. now. I don't know this language. It's been printed thrice. They printed a batch. <laughs> they ran out of those. They printed some more. They printed some more. Okay. The key to getting multiple printings is to print very small <laughs> batches. You heard it here first, right? If you print 11 (laughs) books, you're gonna need to go back and get some more pretty soon. And I actually don't know exact numbers. But I know the first printing was pretty small. And I think the second one was pretty small. I think the third one was tiny. But it's a weird time right now in the printing of things world because there's a paper shortage. I did not know that Google this because I'm not going to be able to explain it properly. Listeners go Google paper shortage. But (laughs) so there, you know, just as many books coming out as always. And it's yes. spring. We're going into beach reading season. There's a lot of books in line to be printed. Oh, so there are all these weird considerations of like who gets in line before the next one and how many can we print. And you order a printing, but then it, it gets delayed. And I've had some people say on social media, commenters have said, oh, I, I can't get your book. I, I just tried to get it on Amazon. And they said, I won't have it for three weeks. Well, first of all, let first me just all. tell you, First of all. First of all, please order it from your local independent bookstore. If they can't get it, order it from my local independent Who bookstore. Who doesn't
0: know you're connected to an independent book. That's bizarre. Oh, tons, oh, tons of, of people. All right. People in the
1: world. It's all fine. Right. They don't know. They have their, their Amazon account. It's just what they use. But especially for books, everybody. It's nice to go to a real store. It is. And I I think Barnes & Noble is pretty well stocked with it right now. And Parnassus Books here in Nashville. Every copy they have is signed. And if you want it personalized. I have a personalized copy. Right. They just call me. I live five minutes away. I go over. I personalize (laughs) your copy. They ship it right out. So I've wandered off your question about reprintings. Third reprinting. I don't fully understand how it all works. But I know it does sound really badass and cool to be it like does. third printing which is why i tweet it yeah um but you know in real life Marketing just genius that's like oh we need a few more oops <laughs> we didn't print right enough we need a few more <laughs> but you don't get
0: excited i will 100 we're not do printing that. trillions of if copies if i ever here. write a book and people <laughs> buy it i will say print five mm-hmm. call me in a week right you're gonna print 10 <laughs> right <laughs> exactly <laughs> there are currently 35 copies in print <laughs> yeah i don't know but it's fun. It's nice it's to know strategy. that demand is going up. Yes,
1: that's what you want.
0: I mean, I've seen the pictures on Instagram of all of your signings. Those rooms are full everywhere you go. It's really nice. It's, it's really really
1: nice. I'm. Con- it's nice I, to watch. I'm consistently surprised. And not. And I'm not saying that to be like humble and like weirdly fake humble. But <laughs> working in a bookstore, I see there are so many random things that can contribute to a crowd or not a crowd. I mean, weather, oh, traffic. Yeah. If your hockey team goes to the finals uh-huh. of whatever it is in hockey, people will just suddenly not go anywhere that night and there goes yeah. the book event you were having. It's so I've seen how the number of people in the room can have so little to do with the author in the room. Yes. And so I've tried to be I've tried to have just no expectations <laughs> and walk in and go, "Look, for whatever reason, there could be two people here." And if there are two people, I'm going to order a pizza for the three of us, and we're going to have a great time. And I have yet to, to have a night where there are just two people, but I'm sure it's coming. It, it happens to everybody, and you can't help it. Yeah.
0: But it's nice that it didn't happen on the first leg. It was really I would like nice. that for my personal
1: self-esteem. Yes, like when just you're, this first of you this. When you're 70, and we're also on that amazing <laughs> book that you're writing, you're kid's caftan memoir. <laughs> that's it. It's going to be great. And you will have full rooms. For the first month, I predicted. Okay, fingers crossed.
0: Mm -hmm. When I read your book, I I don't know how to do this, the podcasting interviewing thing. (laughs) Turns out it's not the same. It's just talking. Yeah. Which I'm great at. And you have an essay. Kind of about when you started, is it a word on a word on war on world? That's not that's that's a movie, I think. (laughs) (laughs) It's a nerd on
1: words. It's a word on words on national public television. Yeah. The last book, the last essay in the book is. Is it the last one? i true. remember this. It's about that. But you know, also about life. But yes, it's about that, and the fact that I had no television experience whatsoever. Going, this is nerve-wracking, and there's no camera, so I can't. This is heavenly. I love that there's no camera. Everyone listening, just imagine how nicely dressed I am, and my hair is so clean, and I have a makeup, but I don't. (laughs) Audio is so fun. Yeah, it's great. It is. The thing I I still don't quite know how to do on TV is I don't know what to do with my face. Like, when when I've asked a question and my guest is speaking and there's a camera on me, (laughs) like... Do I smile? Do I, do I nod? Do I look serious? And I'm not great you at looking serious. You do all of Like you rotate through. I try. <laughs> but I also don't want to be sitting there concentrating on my own face and not on what yeah. is being said because it's always interesting. Like it, our guests are yeah. amazing. I eventually sort of reached a point where I just thought... Just don't think about my face. How bad can it be?
0: And <laughs> That's the title um, of your next book. <laughs> how bad can it be? A story of my no. No, just don't think about my face. Oh, your title is better. There you go.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Um, I can see how you'd have to learn a different way of communicating when you just have audio.
0: I just—I'm always surprised when I don't know how to do something. Isn't like it if, kind of fun though to learn something oh, it, new? I love it. Yeah, but then I'm—you and always I are alike in that way. We like to learn a new thing. Love it. But I'm—I'm I'm surprised every time. Like there's a thing I'm not good at yet. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> who knew but now you are good at it well we'll see i think you're good at it thank you we're gonna go out of book author land all right i don't have any questions about your dogs but they're such a huge piece of your life they are a huge piece of all my neighbors lives too <laughs> they're so loud awesome. eleanor
1: what is the other one okay name? so there's, there's two we have okay. a beagle named eleanor roosevelt yes she's beautiful she is she is stunningly gorgeous and utterly twisted <laughs> and horribly behaved and people see her and they're like oh she's an angel we're like no she's satan she wakes us up at 5 a.m and i don't hear her barking i have that mom brain where it's like unless someone's bleeding the sound doesn't get through and somehow i know how to filter that just wakes my poor husband up every morning (laughs) she's the worst but she's cute and then we have woodstock woodstock who is a little yellow mutt and he's very, very sweet, and he has extremely high anxiety, probably because he lives with Eleanor Roosevelt, <laughs> and she terrorizes him. Yeah. Um, but they're a great pair. They make a lot of noise in our yard, and I like them a lot. They, I, I like mean, they, they're
0: my buddies during the day. When I'm at home working, yeah. they're, they're right there with me. Yeah, same. We talk. It's real important to talk yeah. to your pets, yeah. sing songs. Right. All those things. Yeah. When your life is more normal, mm-hmm. when you're at home, mm-hmm. what's your... This is. I'm going to go somewhere with this. But what's your typical downtime? Do you have to make yourself have it? Sort of. I feel, yeah, yeah. I do too. I do. And we're a lot alike. Like we I are. have to fill the space with productivity
1: yes. because that's where I get my sense of self-worth. Yes. As you have read. Um, and, I, and I'm and i aware <laughs> of it. I know that that's not healthy. I'm self-aware and I do try to police it and say, okay, no, you you have 15 minutes. You don't have to fill that with starting a new task and learning a new thing yeah. and, you know, publishing an essay. Like you can have it's 15 this. minutes. Yeah. Right. The best thing for me is to go walking or hiking because then, A, I can't reach a computer. So yeah. So I can't do anything. I've never been good at, at dictating. I can't do the like writing out loud thing. So I, I can't, okay. you know, do that when I'm walking. That's the best way for me to get away from my compulsions. Yeah. And it's fun and I like it and I like to look for animals. I do enjoy some TV. My husband and I like a few of the same shows. So okay. if, if we're in a season where a show that we both like is on, that's good evening downtime. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I like to read, but that's also work for me. So it's that's I know, cheating to it, call that downtime.
0: <laughs> yeah. Staring out the window. I do a lot of that. I do a lot of that. Mm-hmm. What is your, what's your fantasy downtime? What if you could be a person who has downtime? What would I do? Just does it.
1: God, I don't. I don't know because fantasy and downtime don't go together for me. I, I don't, Whoa. you know. Yes. When I'm like, what would make me really happy? I don't. My brain doesn't go to downtime things. I wish it did. I like to travel. I like to be at the beach. I like to go places. I love France, but those are active things. Yeah. I guess that probably yeah. travel vacation. I love vacation, even though I struggle with vacation
0: because you have to read the whole time. Because vacation means you're not working. Also, you're a mom. Moms aren't like that's a whole <laughs> other thing, right? <laughs> well, but my kids are big now, so Still. I do. I,
1: I do even I vacation without them sometimes, and that is okay. Lovely. Um, yeah, when you vacation with little kids, that's a field trip. That's not a vacation. That is a different <laughs> thiz. Same shit, different place. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess probably okay. travel, which is still doing something. Yeah. Total downtime for me is not a fantasy. If I'm ever in a state of complete downtime, something's probably wrong with me. Like I've, yeah. I'm sick or I've hit a wall or you just call a doctor.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I've not thought of that. But yeah, fan- when I think of any fantasy, anything, it, I would have thought it was relaxing. But the way you just explained it, I'm like, no, that's a legit activity. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know that downtime is good for me though like i know that it is good for people and it's restorative and i try to make myself have it but again that goes to get if i can get outside if i can get unplugged yeah i'm okay if i can reach my laptop i'm toast same
0: yeah i bought a desktop i bought an imac last year and so it now lives on a desk in my office oh and that has helped like stop work Mm mm-hmm Because I can't, the living room and the office are different rooms. Mm -hmm. So the computer lives in a different room. I still have my old laptop. Oh. (laughs) So now you just have two. two. (laughs) (laughs) But it did help. Yeah. Because when I want to do things, I want to be on the newer, nicer computer.
1: That's good. Well, and now our phones are computers. So.
0: Oh, God. I, I did.
1: I have this little stupid mini meditation that I do. It's not a meditation. I don't know. That was the wrong word. Um. I don't know what you call it, but in the morning when I've been traveling over this past month yeah. and I have high anxiety about travel logistics and I'm yes. constantly worried that I'm not going to get to the right airport at the right time, I've been checking my phone before I fall asleep, checking my phone first thing when I wake up. And I now that I'm back home, I need to go back to what is normally my practice, which is I wake up in my bedroom. I do keep my phone by the bed, but... It's on do not disturb and the only numbers that can break through are my family members, including my parents, because my parents are older and yeah. we've had the, you know, emergency middle of the night call yes. and I need to be able to get that. But I take the phone and I don't allow myself to look at it until I'm in another room. And I say to myself, as I'm lying in my bed, This is my sanctuary. I do not look at my phone in this room. Like I actually
0: that's actually say it.
1: Not always out loud, sometimes just in my yeah. head, but that those two sentences, this is my sanctuary. I don't look at my phone in this room. Then I take it and walk
0: outside my door. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's see what's going on on email. I do it the same. But mine is time because I like a hard line. Mm-hmm. So I do not look at my phone after 9 p.m. And I don't look at it before 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's a good way to do it. I have a
1: little chime on my phone that oh. it's turned off now because I've been traveling. But yeah. it, it used to go off at 10. And that was basically my please get off Twitter chime. Because you'll never finish Twitter ever. You can't go. I'm gonna check it one more time before bed. You'll just scroll and scroll and scroll, and you're scrolling. And who even for cares forever. what you're looking at? It's, it's
0: that's the problem with I'm phones so being sick. computers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you ready for some rapid fire questions? Yes. Okay. First one's hard. The rest of them are not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. What is one book you wish you had written? I am. I
1: am. I am. By Maggie O'Farrell. I've not read that. It, oh my God. It's so good. Okay. Like, really, there are many books I could give you to answer that question. There are many books that I've read that I'm yeah. like, oh, wish I could have done that. But yay for her. She did it. This book came out about a year ago, so it's in paperback now. It's by Maggie O'Farrell. It is a memoir in essays, same format I write. Here's my the jam. Here's the problem. I read it while I was in the editing phase. Like, I had sold the book. Oh, no. I know. I know. I didn't, I didn't realize what I was doing. <laughs> I'd sold the book. I'd gotten my editorial letter back from my editor, which is where she basically says this is a great book except for these things you've got to work on yeah and that is a very my my agent calls that phase the pain cave which is accurate because you have a set number of months for me it was like 3 months. Oh, I didn't know that part was timed. Oh, it's timed. She's I like and you so this was like February and she and I got this letter and all the suggestions of what I needed to work on and it was due May 1st. And oh, so I had God. just a couple months to to fix this book and the problem is having just sold the book in January, I had already rung out all I had. I had made this book as good as I knew how to get it and I had also used Every ounce of mental and emotional energy I had for it, yes. I was at the bottom of my barrel. And her suggestions were great. Like, I, as an editor, I could look at them and go, oh, my gosh, yes, that's how to get it to the next level. But as a human being with limited emotional and mental resources, I was just like, I can't summon anymore. So I was in this really hard phase and out comes this book and I liked the cover and it was pretty. And it had a feather on it. And so I was like, I'm gonna read this. And it is so good. It is so good. I almost threw my laptop out the window. I was like, this is Damn. I why am I even trying? This I will never be this good. It really okay. I I had to take about a week off editing. Which Damn. was I mean that was in a time where I didn't have a lot of time to spare. But it yeah. got so in my head that this was so good and I thought, gosh I will never be able to do this. And I had to I had to let some time go by and refine that mental stability and that that sense of, okay, I'm not supposed to be this. She's this. I'm that. We're all, everybody's different. Everybody has a different story. <laughs> yeah. Everybody has a different style. I'm not supposed to be Maggie O'Farrell writing. I that am, would have I am, broken my brain. It it almost did. And then right after I read that, the thing that fixed my brain, and yeah. I think I think you have read this, mm. How to Write an Autobiographical Novel by Alexander Chee. <laughs> I love that book so much. It fixed my brain. So Maggie O'Farrell broke love my brain book. in the best way and made me think I'm, Alexander fixed I'm going to give up. And then and then I read Alex's book and <laughs> I was like, you know what, we're it's going to be fine. They're both great. I'm me. <laughs> and it's yes. gonna be okay. I don't know why one broke it and one fixed it, but those are two hmm. Those are two books I've talked about on every single book tour stop I've made. Like I've been sort of bookselling as I go. Of course you have. Of course you have. In the bookstore people are asking me questions. I'm like,
0: let me pull this off the shelf and tell you why you should buy this also. We should do a quick plug for your newsletter, which is eighty percent you should read this book. Oh yeah. And here are places you can buy it. That's the po- okay, so also, if you here's the song.
1: Right. If you go to my website Philpot.com, click on newsletter. I send out a newsletter. It's supposed to be weekly, but it's a little off right now. We're giving you a pass. Thanks. It's a book, a link, a song, and a picture. Those things in that order every time. It's short. It's exactly that. She's not lying. That's what it is. I can't, I started doing it about two years ago because even with um, the show and the bookstore and <laughs> staff picks, you know, I'm allowed to like have three books up yes. on the staff rec shelf every month. I still didn't have enough outlets for all the books I wanted to recommend because <laughs> I read a lot, and so I said, "Okay, if I could recommend one book every week, that's 52 books a year. That those would be my top 50." So that's that's what I do. It's a, it's great a fun, newsletter. It's fun to write. It's very informal. You will not find
0: no. It's very you. I like it Pulitzer a lot. Prize winning writing in this <laughs> newsletter, but but it's fun to do. It's fun to read. Yeah. Now we're getting somewhere. Pilates or yes. Palmetto cheese?
1: Both, man. You no. know I don't do or. <laughs> I do and. <laughs>
0: Do you and still you, eat that
1: cheese? God, it's so good. Jalapeno palmetto cheese. The weirdest animal you've seen in Nashville? Oh, weirdest animal. I've seen a lot of weird ones. I know. Oh, you know what I said the other day that I didn't think was weird, but maybe it is weird. I was doing a photo shoot at Percy Warner Park. Nashville scene wanted to take my photo with some books really? on the big steps. And so I did. And I was chatting with... Oh, the, I can't wait to see that. It's coming out soon. Okay. I was chatting with the photographer about how much i loved walking that trail and he was like oh do you you walk here often i was like i walk here all the time and i said i saw the best snail i've ever seen in my life (laughs) and he and he goes what And i was like the best the best snail you know like when you see a really good one and he was like no (laughs) so maybe that's weird I i thought it was normal but she oh was God. a really good snail. She was large. I'm assuming she was a she. <laughs> of course. She was she working was. very hard. Yeah. She was trying to cross perpendicularly across yeah. the the trail. Like she was she was being brave. Yeah. She's going across where people yeah. run and stuff, and she just she was putting in the effort. Like she was moving so fast, you could actually <laughs> see her moving. Yeah. Which is fast for
0: a snail. It she was is. Look booking it. Did anyway. you name her? No, not even in your mind. No, that's her mama's job. Okay. You can't explain your answer. Okay. Oh, boy. What is your guilty pleasure song? What's a guilty pleasure song for you? Mbop by Hanson. Oh, God, that came fast. I know. That came... You know what's funny? All That comes funny. fast. Everyone who's been on here is yeah. an immediate answer. Yeah. It's... I've I mean, been repulsed by every single one of you. All it, of them. It's a
1: completely <laughs> repulsive answer, and I'm ashamed, but it's
0: the... I mean, first thing. It's going to be in my head the Guilty pleasure the song. Blammo. There it is. When I first moved here after college, like I'd been at Murfreesboro, my downstairs roommate was their manager no way and I was like is that a job is that like, I didn't know do they get managed like you don't know all those music industry jobs exactly mm-hmm. and you move here and you're like there's so many ways to have jobs in this town indeed she was the manager of I almost Bob Mbop <laughs> she was the manager of Mbop put that song on you can't feel bad you can't you can't maintain a bad mood in the presence of that song no. you can
1: say to yourself I hate this song but you say it
0: <laughs> feeling great bouncing yeah okay last one Twitter or Instagram? (gasps) That's so
1: hard. Mm -hmm. If you had asked me before this year, Mm -hmm. I would always have said Twitter because I have a very (laughs) well-cultivated Twitter-verse. Twitter-verse. I don't follow people I hate. Like People are always like, oh, Twitter makes me so mad. I'm like, quit following people you don't like. That's like walking into a party full of people you hate. Why are you at that party? I only follow people (laughs) I am interested in seeing their tweets. And I... Didn't used to get much satisfaction out of Instagram, but I have really come to enjoy it lately. Same. The stories. I love the stories. I love the stories. And when f- when the stories first came out, I was like, this is stupid. I hate it. <laughs> but you're so good at it. Thank you. You're, I mean, you're one of the reasons why Instagram, I think, is my answer. Thank you. I follow a lot of my fellow writers. And so I do too. Instagram is a is a way to do something something that feels very good to me that puts me in a in a good mood is complimenting people. And so when I mm. see author friends out there going, "I just finished my second draft and it sucks, but I did it." Like, and I can go,
0: "You did it. You're awesome." I am in a good mood. And you're so cuz you know, Instagram shows you when someone you know has commented. Mm-hmm. So like Elizabeth Gilbert will have a post and there's 20,000 comments and it will show me yours. <laughs> I love it. And I'm like, look at my Go, Liz! It is, but you I, did it. I see it. I'll yeah. see your. I mean, I see everyone I know. I always see yours, and they're so kind. And they're genuine. They're not like BS emojis. No. Like it's I, a real sentence.
1: So I think what has made it possible for me to live through this spring and the amount of um, self promotion that is yes. involved in putting out a book is not looking at it like self-promotion and looking at it like, well, for one thing, the book is not me. The book exists separately from me, and it's my job to be good to it and help people find it. So I'm going to be do right by my little book, baby, that I have made, and I'm (laughs) going to do what I have to do. But also, I never forget that any magazine or radio show or whatever that gives any attention to this book, someone did work to make that happen. Like when my book was in Real Simple and they said, This is the one book you should read right now. Some artist drew it on this little table, like, and she she drew my book, and and somehow it was itself, but somehow different. And Uh she put work into that. And so I want to get out there and say thank you. So I kind of look at it like I'm not getting on Instagram every day, going, "Look at me, I'm cool." But no, no, you do not. I don't. That would that would be stupid. But. Anytime that something good is happening to the book that involves someone putting work into it, I want to go out and publicly thank them and yeah. say, thank you for putting me in your magazine. Thank you, artist, for drawing this cartoon of me where I have great cartoon hair. Thank you, Instagrammer, for doing this beautiful picture of my book with your coffee and your socks. Like that cor- took time. That, that feels right and good and not self-promotional that feels like saying thank you out loud which being on the other side of that sometimes like doing the the site that I run for the bookstore when we do an interview or a review or something of a book and that author tweets it we are happy oh we're thrilled
0: so I try to g- remember yeah, that yes you know
1: like I'm making someone happy by doing this I'm yes. not I'm not going everybody look at me
0: no I like thinking of you as your book's sherpa
1: yeah I mean, who else is going to carry it up the mountain if not me? Just Nobody. You. That's my job. Yeah.
0: Okay. Anything I didn't cover? Anything you want to say?
1: This is so fun. Anything?
0: I like Ladyland. Thank you. I do, too. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming by. This is great. All right. I'm Kim Baldwin, and that's our show. Thanks so much for joining us. To find full show notes, head over to ladyland.show. And if you know a lady that I need to meet, slip into my DMs. You can find me at Ladyland underscore podcast on Instagram. This podcast is produced by Mary Catherine Rooker and brought to you by We Own This Town. Logo by Elizabeth Williams. Music by UDrive. Download anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have a minute, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review Ladyland. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.